right now it feels like this is a world a planet that is marching towards world war 3 the tensions are escalating in different parts of the world the pandemic threw every country off balance every society every country and then the war in ukraine there was the unease now turning hot now you have an actual war a proxy war between the two largest nuclear powers on the planet You know I've tried very hard to look at both sides I do think the Russian ethnic minorities inside Ukraine have had their political grievances It's like when there are ethnic riots in indonesia who is at the receiving end the ethnic chinese minorities that's who just because china is this big power fairly nearby doesn't seem to change that equation that's true for Indian origin minorities inside Nepal and Nepal and India are on very good terms the two governments like to boast that no other two countries anywhere on earth are friendlier to each other and yet despite people being from the same religious backgrounds and yet the gangetic plains people of india the people of bihar and uttar pradesh who basically rule india those same gangetic plain people who happen to be inside the borders of nepal are in a bad shape I am a member of that community. The Holy Father in human incarnation is also a member of that same community. Some people like to say the ruling class in Nepal are like the Jews of Israel and the Indian origin minorities in the south of Nepal are like the Palestinians like very politically deprived and that's happening right there next to India right so i have some perspective about the ethnic russian minorities inside ukraine or any of the other countries around there georgia latvia and the rest of them so it is understandable that somebody like putin and the other people of the ruling class in russia they might feel strongly about that on the other hand the flip side is well what about the ethnic minorities inside russia do they feel like colonized peoples right they are ethnic minorities inside china 
there are ethnic minorities inside India. And those grievances have political solutions. Another issue is Putin himself. He's a dictator who conducts sham elections. So it is not not an easy situation at all. The part that gets very, very complicated, right? Every country has ethnic minority issues and they do have political solutions. But this war in Ukraine, that's you know, it's a proxy war between the two biggest nuclear powers and there are all sorts of other powers that are angling to step in, right? The US just shot down not only uh, in American skies, but also in Canada. You have North Korea that is ejecting fire out of its nostrils. Even in a place like Congo, when there are people whose ethnic origins might be across the border, there are uh, minorities inside Congo and they are waging battle, right? So it's a complex situation with global implications. What is really alarming about what's happening in Ukraine is things could escalate and get out of hand. Right? Right now in eastern Ukraine, the parts claimed and occupied by Russia, especially World War One, it's World War One style war going on, you know, all this trench warfare and frontline soldiers dying in large numbers. You know, to try to duke it out. Also on the other side, you know, like the military industrial complex in the U.S., Probably the best organized interest group in Washington, D.C. Look at what has happened to the market value of some of the defense companies. Just based on Iraq and Afghanistan, right? So there's this greed factor, right? There's this well-oiled machinery that... Always, always looks at the gun option. And I stay suspicious of that. And I think the political has to be supreme. The political leadership, the political thought process, the political actions have to be supreme. You can't just hope to duke it out. I've been blogging about the war in Ukraine. And when the Russians entered Ukrainian space, I was on the Ukrainian side. Because yes, you might have ethnic minority issues. Maybe you have security concerns. But you crossed the line. You crossed a sovereign country's borders with a large number of soldiers and tanks, right? Aggression, naked aggression. On the other hand, after a few months, especially when 
the Ukrainians seized initiative and grabbed some of the land back, did some pushing. That was an excellent opportunity for a country like India to jump in and work hard to figure out a political solution. I myself have been in, involved in a peace process. In 2005 in Nepal, the country where I grew up, the Maoist, the Maoist guerrillas and the leader of that party right now happens to be the Prime Minister of Nepal, duly elected in a parliamentary election. They had managed to neutralize the state as in the government of Nepal had been pushed out out of I don't know 80% of the country that doesn't mean, mean to say that they were ruling over 80% of the country they were not they just had managed to like scare away you know the police outposts or a few government bureaucrats who might be in a village and at that point, the U.S. ambassador to Nepal had this hardline thought that you cannot negotiate with these guys. The only option is to defeat them militarily. And I strongly disagree with that. I'm like, no, that is not the way. There is a political solution. And I and others who took similar stance were proven right. The political solution was found, you know, it was not easy, but it was found. The civil war came to an end, and I think there is a need right now for something similar in Ukraine. When the Chinese and the Indians were coming to blows in Ladakh a few years ago. Russia played that role. Russia was friends with China. Russia was friends with India. So Russia played a role to de-escalate that situation a little bit. Right now, India is a country that is friends with the US, it is also a country that is friends with Russia. I think both the American president and the Russian president would say that they are on excellent terms with Modi, the Prime Minister of India. I've advocated for a few weeks now that it is very important to try to seek a political solution in Ukraine. Otherwise, this thing keeps escalating. Ukraine has seen major damage. And it is not like, you know, the West is supplying everything Ukraine needs. It's not an even fight. Right? And there's tremendous restraint, as in Russia can strike anywhere in Ukraine, but Ukraine should not strike inside Russia, right? That's that's asymmetry. Also, just holding the line, right? So Ukraine is in a tight spot as it is. And you know, you have you have talk of, you know, infiltration as in Russia wanting to do infrastructure damage inside the US, things like that. And there's always, always that threat of an unintended nuclear war. 
even in the Cuban Missile Crisis. That acute fear lasted 13 days, right? Less than two weeks. Whereas right now, a much more heightened fear is going on for months. This is not a good sign. A political solution, a peacemaker, right? A third neutral party who enters the scene and try to seek a, pollution, a political solution. Obviously, he cannot be seen to be taking sides. You have to be genuinely committed to peace and you have to listen to both sides. What are your grievances? Right? What do the Russians really, really want? Is this just a land grab like Saddam going into Kuwait? Or do they have genuine grievances? What about Ukraine? Right? Is it just a small country being bullied? Or has it had options along the way? And a peace when it comes out to be. A good peace actually ends up making both parties unhappy, as in they did not get everything that they wanted to get. That's a good peace. Peacemaking is an art form. It's among the highest of undertakings. And right now there is an acute need for peacemakers to enter the scene and try to I mean there are people who are saying this will go on for the rest of this year maybe another year as in an on and on and on ongoing war a lot of them frankly are arms sellers people who are tied to the military industrial complex in the US you know also known as the gun lobby right the complex that president eisenhower so prophetically warned us all about i just wish the polit- political leadership took greater initiative the political leadership in a few different countries on the other hand you know there's a very real chance this thing could just keep escalating victory might feel just a few steps ahead to either side we are almost there right that feeling and you just end up with more and more damage on both sides you know this is still an exercise of free will thing about free will is you know you have to decide you have to make that choice the cold war did not end when it is said it ended right this ideological intellectual debate with very concrete implications in all parts of the world between you know the ideology called capitalism and the opposing ideological communism that debate never really did end as i see it both of them have failed 
capitalism did win, why, why does not the US and other similar countries, for example, not have poverty? Right? It is said for the majority of Americans, a sudden need for something like, I don't know, $500 is a major emergency. Well, how rich is that country? During the pandemic, when the US government created money freely to the tune of trillions, the richest of the rich pretty much vacuumed all that money. And so the average person is right where they were. Right? That is not an ideal system. Capitalism has failed. Communism has obviously failed. Socialism has failed. There is a need for a paradigm shift. That is what the Kalkist Manifesto is, also to be known as the Karmaist Manifesto. Authored by the Holy Father in human incarnation on earth right now himself. That document is designed to prevent World War III. But that roadmap still has to be accepted as an act of free will. Human beings individually, humanity collectively still has to take it. A gift is not yours unless you receive it, choose to take it. There is an urgent need for a new economic system everywhere. So this war in Ukraine, from my perspective, I think India is best positioned primarily because, you know, India is considered a friend by Russia India is considered a friend also by the United States. That is not true for China. China is considered a friend by Russia, but it is not considered a friend by the United States. Turkey might fit the bill, but it is too small a power to make a big difference. You start by listening to the grievances, right? For the Ukrainians, it's an issue of sovereignty, uh, the territorial integrity, right? They were promised back in 1991 that if they give up their nuclear weapons, Russia will make no designs on their territory, right? That is their thing. Like, we need our territory. You cannot have any of it, right? That's their grievance. And all the damage that has been done to their infrastructure, to their country. On the Russian side, there's the issue of the Russian ethnic minorities inside Ukraine, right, including Crimea. There's the issue of NATO expansion. Russia feels like if Ukraine were to become a NATO country that's too close for comfort. 
and these issues can be addressed politically if i were ukraine i would not want to do i would want to be a neutral country like switzerland but that neutrality cannot be promised if russia just starts taking chunks of ukraine right so for that neutrality russia has to be willing to move back on the other hand ukraine could work to bring about a federalism a federal structure inside ukraine that gives plenty of autonomy to the eastern parts of ukraine where most of the russian minorities live i get the impression the president of ukraine himself is from somewhere in the east of ukraine so that is a political solution a well balanced approach and then of course you know there's there has to be talk of you know war damages you know even war crimes how do you handle that you know you could strike a balance whereby you know war damages are paid for but instead of going the judicial route maybe going the truth and reconciliation commission route to address all the grievances and a lot of people understandably will have problems with that they're like no you know war crimes have to be treated like war crimes there can only be a judicial solution and there might be a few specific units that might be brought to book for specific crimes Russia has to be open to that right so i fully believe there is a political solution available but for that to happen both parties have to be willing to negotiate you don't have to wait until you capture more territory that political solution the work can start at any moment right i think that is a much better option than moving the world inch by inch towards a possible world war 3 I've been trying my best and I will continue to try. But the limiting factor is free will is free will. If I ask someone to verify my identity and they refuse for whatever reason, and that's it. That's how free will works. I can ask someone to contribute to my campaign if they don't well that's it that's an exercise of free will I can ask someone to join my organization and if they refuse well that is an exercise of free will and I've been approaching people individually in large numbers on the other hand all those approaches are publicly available to anyone who might be interested I have talked to Hindu temples across the US 
न्यूयॉर्क न्यू जर्सी नॉर्थ कैरोलाइना फ्लोरिडा टेक्सस कोलोराडो कैलिफोर्निया ओरेगन एलोनोय एंड आई जस्ट एम नॉट बींग एबल टू फाइंड एन ऑडियंस इट इज द एग्जैक्ट सेम होली ट्रिनिटी in the hindu belief system and the christian belief system brahma the creator of the hindu belief system is the holy son in the christian belief system vishnu lord vishnu in the hindu belief system is the holy father in the christian belief system shiva who of course has many many names shiva sambhu mahadeva there's a very viral song that you can listen to on youtube right now that goes something like hara hara sambhu Shiva Mahadeva as in Sambhu Shiva Mahadeva they are all different names of the same god known as the holy spirit by the christians so i've tried to explain to hindus look in the mahabharata a scripture that you do recognize at one point it is said o brahma you have many names and some of those many names are listed and one name that is listed is isa who is isa well isa is the most mentioned name in the quran the isa of the quran is the jesus of the bible muslims know that when they say isa they know they are talking about jesus well in the most famous book of the bible right the bible is a library with many books the most famous of them all is the gospel of john the gospel according to john and in the very opening paragraph the first paragraph of that book jesus has been explicitly called the creator all that was created was created by him and through him and for him it is so said well the hindus should look at that and say okay well the creator we know as brahma obviously is jesus just like lord vishnu in human incarnation on earth before has been lord rama 7000 years ago lord krishna 5000 years ago lord buddha 2500 years ago similarly It was Brahma who was in human incarnation on earth 2000 years ago very explicitly written in the bible and the mahabharata but with the hindus you mention jesus and they immediately tune you out everything else you say after that they are not even around to hear you out Right? they just to new york no argument no discussion they are just gone because well we are hindus we don't deal with jesus well what about lord vishnu and rama and krishna and buddha forget jesus how about lord kalki right 
it is an established belief that just like lord vishnu known as the holy father by christians that the hindus have a specific name for lord vishnu right known as yahweh by the jews and allah by the muslims lord god the holy father your god and my god who was on earth 7000 years ago as lord rama 5000 years ago as lord krishna 2500 years ago as lord buddha he is now back on earth as promised one of the most famous lines in the gita goes something like sambhavami yuge yuge as in in every age i will come to establish dharma and dharma means you know right conduct people treating each other well so to the hindus you know if i say well lord kalki is here aren't you excited because you have been waiting now for 5000 years and his identity is established through prophecies fulfilled those prophecies are very explicitly written in the scriptures that you do accept those are your scriptures let me point those out right that should get their attention but it has not so far it has not the retort saying well this is the current age of the kaliyuga right there are four ages just like there are four seasons every year like you get four seasons they are cyclical they come and go there are four ages each lasting thousands of years and the current age is called the kaliyuga or the age in which much seen happens this has gone on for more than 5000 years now and the hindus the line they most often use is well it is not possible lord kalki is on earth because this current age the kaliyuga will go on for another 400 thousand years 425000 years maybe 426000 years 427000 years something you know that big big number so if lord kalki will come here to end the kaliyuga this is not correct timing you know this age will go on for another 427000 years can you imagine 427000 years and then they tune out so you mentioned jesus they tune out you mentioned lord kalki who they have been waiting for for 5000 years now and they still tune out with this argument and i'm like wait wait let me explain let me explain i heard you and now let me explain if the four ages that are cyclical if each lasts only a few thousand years how can this current age go on for another 427000 years not possible it's like saying summer was 3 months and then we had fall and that was 3 months and then we had winter and that was 3 months but now spring will go on for another 50 years makes no sense
Lord Rama was on earth the second age towards the end of the second age called the Treta Yuga. Well, we have his birth chart today. And when you do the calculations based on that birth chart, it can be scientifically shown that he was on earth about 7,000 years king of Ayodhya. So if Lord Rama was on earth during the second of the four ages, about 7,000 years ago, after that we had the third age, the Dwapar Yuga, and Lord Krishna, right, another human incarnation of Lord Vishnu, the Holy Father, was on earth about 5,000 years ago. And then the third age ended, and then this fourth the final age of the cycle began and that has gone on for a little over 5,000 years. So unlike the four seasons, the four ages do not seem to be of equal length in time. The first is the Satya Yuga, the age of truth, seems to last a long time. And then the second is the Treta Yuga, you know, a shorter span of time. The Dwapar Yuga seems to have lasted about 2,000 years. But the Kali Yuga has gone on for more than 5,000 years now, which tells me maybe the Satya Yuga itself, you know, lasts somewhere between 2,000 and 5,000 years. So if you have Lord Rama's birth chart and you know that he was here in the second age, the Treta Yuga. There's an entire scripture around Lord Rama. The Ramayana. There's an entire scripture around Lord Krishna, the Mahavarata. One reason a lot of people struggle with the Ramayana is because the events that are described People are like, those things can't happen on earth. Similarly, the events, some of the events that are being described in the Mahabharata, people have a hard time believing. How could that have happened? Well, when events of this current age, things that are happening today were described to some of the people in the previous age by Lord Krishna, they were similarly in disbelief, as in, Is that even possible? Can that happen? Could people treat each other so bad? People had a hard time believing that in the previous days. But today it is happening right now. So the Hindus that come up with this argument that no, you know, this is not correct timing. Whereas the correct response would be, well, if you say Lord Kalki is here, you know, what prophecies has he fulfilled? And the answer to that is he has fulfilled every major prophecy about Lord Kalki, which establishes identity. And then you say, okay, if Lord Kalki is here, you know, his identity is established by various prophecies. Then we need to go back to the drawing board and correct our math. Maybe we are reading something wrong. That number, right, that 427,000 years, I asked a scholar, where do you get that from? He said, I got it from the Gita. I'm like, okay, which on that page he did? This was over the phone. I said, okay, read it to me. And he read that sloka, that hymn, right? I said, okay, you just read something to me and I never heard that you said the numbers four, Two seven zero zero zero. Like you didn't mention any number. You just spoke a bunch of words. He said, "Yeah, that is correct." Which means you are translating a word, a phrase into a number. He said, "Yes, that's correct." I said, "Well, is it possible that your translation? There's an error in your translation. Is that possible?" He said, "Well, that's possible." And then there are all sorts of interpretations, like. 
Today you can go to any Barnes and Noble, any bookstore, any library, and then you go to the religion section and you could purchase the Bible, but you could also purchase all sorts of commentaries by you know many religious scholars. I've read many of them, I've been very impressed, but those are not scriptures. Those are commentaries by religious scholars. Similarly, in the Hindu pantheon, right, it's a, like thousands of years ago, they talk about thousands of years ago. So there are scriptures, but there are also commentaries by religious scholars. The scriptures and those commentaries cannot be put on equal pedestal. Sometimes when people, you know, try to understand scripture, they get it wrong. It happens all the time. Let me give you an example. A Sankaracharya, who you can find on YouTube today, right? In one YouTube video, he is answering somebody's question. He happens to be from Bihar, where I was born. And he says, like somebody asks about Sambal, right? It has been written that Lord Kalki will be born in Sambal. So the question comes to him and the person asks, This Sambal, where is it? This place where Lord Kalki will be born, where is it? And the Sankaracharya, and you can find this video on YouTube, he says, Well, people think this Sambal is in the state of Orissa, but they are wrong. That Sambal is actually in the state of Uttar Pradesh. Right? That's the Sankaracharya among the most celebrated, recognized Hindu religious scholars of the day. A man so learned, learned that I myself, you know, listen to some of his videos on YouTube to learn things from him. And then the very learned man, very, you know, respectable. But in this one instant, he's wrong. He's incorrect. Sambal where Lord Kalki is supposed to be born is not a town in Orissa or in Uttar Pradesh or a town anywhere else. It's not a city. It's not a town. It's not a village. The symbol is of the scriptures is a country. The country of Sambhu or the country of Pasupatinath, right? The most famous temple in Kathmandu, the capital city of Nepal. So Sambal is Nepal. The country of Sambhu, Nepal, Sambal. It's not a village or a city or a town, right? So the Sankaracharya is incorrect. He stands to be corrected. I am correcting him and everybody else who is listening to him on that one topic. So, like even the end of the Kali Yuga, right? That itself has been explicitly mentioned in the Bhavishya Puran, that is a scripture, a Hindu scripture that is 5,000 years old. Like you will end, we are towards the end of the Kali Yuga. It's two more decades and the Kali Yuga will end. Well, I have also been approaching top divinity schools across the United States saying, hey, I am Jesus come back as promised. And obviously you don't have to take my word for it. Many have come in my name and that information itself came to you from me 2000 years ago that you were told 2000 years ago that many will come in my name. And many have come in my name. There are hundreds of people right now on earth who are all claiming to be Jesus. I'm very aware of that. And that is why, you know, I asked you 2000 years ago to not take my or anybody else's word for it. If somebody says, I am Jesus, don't just take their word for it. Verify. Do your homework. Right? I did not say dismiss everybody who makes that claim. I said, when somebody makes that claim and many will verify, don't take the word for it. So 
I am the real deal. I'm Jesus come back as promised and my identity is verified. One through prophecies fulfilled. Two miracles performed and these are large scale miracles. Miracles performed and very well documented. Anybody with internet access can verify the miracles that I have performed that I've so explicitly laid out at my blog jesusisback.xyz so my identity is verified one through prophecies fulfilled a dozen of which I have explicitly spelled out at my blog I've fulfilled many more I will fulfill dozens and dozens more going forward miracles performed enough to establish my identity i'm not here to perform miracles i am here for my work which is all about human possibilities i'm not here to show you magic tricks right so one prophecies fulfilled two miracles performed and well documented and three the clarity of my mission the work that I'm here to do and that clarity I only achieved just a few months ago when the Holy Father who is on earth on human incarnation himself revealed his identity to me and a little short while after that it became absolutely as to why I am here what is the work that I'm here to do so based on those three things and that's a methodology that I'm offering and you know somebody could challenge that saying no even if you know we get you to answer these three questions that still doesn't verify that you are Jesus come back you know I'm waiting for somebody anybody to say that but nobody so far has said that nobody has questioned the methodology people just tune me out right and this is these are the top divinity schools across the United States right these are scholars people salaried people earning a living around my name earning a living around the Bible that is the book that revolves around me and you know it's perplexing to me I'm like well this is weird what gives what's going on why are people not willing to verify my identity they could question the methodology saying no your methodology itself is wrong so we're not going to use it or they could use that methodology and verify and say well you see you have fulfilled prophecies and I don't see that or we don't see that you see you have been perform miracles you know and which are well documented we don't we don't consider them to be miracles or the work you say you are here to do you know like that makes no sense you know like how can that be where does it say in the scripture that that's your work right i'm very open to people asking those questions but nobody is so far not one person not one religious scholar at any of the top divinity schools that I've been reaching out to over email. I must have emailed at least 200 scholars by now. Maybe 300. Not one taker. One lady professor maybe at Yale Divinity School in did email me back but she was protesting. She, she was like, can you just get me off this mailing list? <laughs> so you know Hindu temples so far very disappointing Hindu temples across the US you know very disappointing top divinity schools across the US again very disappointing and the hard part for me to swallow is these temp- people who run these temples these people who run these divinity schools they are part and parcel of a world 
that right now seems to be marching towards World War III. Your inaction is keeping the world on this path that seems to be moving towards a major, major war, world war that will have direct impact on lives of ordinary people in many countries, like very acute, like it could end up being a very bad situation. You could find yourself out of your comfort zone very fast. Why wait until that moment? Why not take me up on my offer now? Right? If I could build an organization, 10,000 strong, 100,000 strong, a million strong right now, I would not wait for India to go and play that political role in Ukraine. I would do it myself. I would do for the Ukraine war what I did for the civil war in Nepal in 2005. Everything I did for Nepal in 2005 is very well documented, step by step, all archived at my blog, democracyfornepal.com. And I thought, you know, if I start with the Hindu temples across the U.S., the top divinity schools across the U.S., that will give me a good start and then things will snowball because I intend to actively lead the Orthodox Church in Russia. I intend to actively lead the Protestant and the Catholic and the independent churches all across the U.S. very actively. The way the Pope actively leads the Catholic Church. I intend to actively lead all churches all across the world. And it is explicitly said in the Bible itself. It's a prophecy to be fulfilled. And that is what will happen. I will be widely accepted. And when I move around the world for work, my arrival in a city will be unmistakable the way the lightning seen in the thunderstorm is seen from the east to the west. That's what has been said. That will happen. I know that. But I want that to happen sooner rather than later. I would like to try my best to de-escalate the situation. Right now, things are hitting up in many parts of the world, not just in Ukraine. In many parts of the world. am I? I am Jesus, the Son of God, come back as promised. Brahma, the creator in human incarnation. And my identity is verified through prophecies fulfilled, a dozen of which I have listed at my blog, Jesus is back dot x y g and i will fulfill dozens and dozens more my identity is established through miracles performed and well documented also listed at my blog and it is established through the clarity of my mission the work i'm here to do which is the answer to the 2,000-year-old prayer, Thy Kingdom Come, taught by me and addressed to Lord God the Holy Father, your God and my God, who himself is on earth in human incarnation as Lord Kalki, here to be king of all earth in 22 years by the clock. The Hindus have been waiting for him for 5,000 years now and know him as Vishnu. Jews call him 
Yahweh, Muslims, Allah. He was Rama 7,000 years ago, Krishna 5,000 years ago, and Buddha 2,500 years ago. Rama was born in Ayodhya, Krishna in Mathura, rhyming names. The Buddha in Lumbini and Lord Kalki in Matihani, rhyming names again. He is the long-awaited Messiah of the Jews, one king for all of earth who will bring peace and prosperity everywhere. This age will end, a new age will begin, the best of all four ages.